Human beings have neither the oral nor the psychological capacity to withstand the awesome power of God's true voice. Theology unplugged. Hermeneutics. Herman who? The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Theology unplugged. I mean, uh, if God is omniscient, if he knows everything, and he wouldn't be God if he didn't, then he must have known, even before the creation of the world, the names of those who will be saved. Theology unplugged. Only let my errors be proven by scripture. Theology unplugged. Would you guys agree that Christianity is defined so much and it's how we act, but we do have some definite theological markers. Theology unplugged. All right. Let's talk about an interesting subject. Are we, are we already going? We are now on. Let's kick this topic. Um, evidentialism. Mm-hmm. An apologetic method. We are here uh, doing a Theology Unplugged broadcast. Yes. Mm-hmm. We've got Carrie. Um, my administrative assistant and mm-hmm. Clint, who is Your my private, <laughs> uh, my pri- I'm, I'm kind of like uh, Alexander the Great. I have a private philosopher who follows me around and interprets the world. Since you were a boy, Arist- Aristotle, he's not a Aristotelian though. Well, I, know, I, I sort of am, but anyway, oh, whenever, whenever Michael travels the world to conquer it, I will hope he will send me samples of new plants and animals back no, so friend, I can study them. Friend, you will be there with me. <laughs> oh, you will sweet. be there with me. But we're right now just trying to... I don't want to catch malaria. We're we're trying to conquer a subject. Yeah, let's do it. Within apologetic methodology, this is... That's what we're talking about. We're not just talking about apologetics. Mm -hmm. We're not saying, let's defend the faith. We didn't get together and say, hey, let's let's do a new podcast on just some evidences Mm -hmm. that we have found, new evidences that we have found. We said, let's back way up and, and talk about a really important topic that is often just overlooked by most people, assumed by most people, but yet not thought thought through. And this is one of those times where we're saying, we we need to think diligently. This this is not something that I say, well, this is an essential, this is the most important decision you'll ever make about um, uh, all uh, the different options out there. We're saying right now we are encouraging you to engage your mind, engage your thinking in this particular subject because it is something that does influence the rest of the way that you interpret theology and the world. Um, apologetic methods. How do you do apologetics? Uh, what are the different methods out there? We've already talked about, um, let's see here, the first one was um, what's called uh, the reform method or the presuppositionalist method. And then last time we talked about the evidentialist <laughs> method and we defined it. You guys, come on. <laughs> They're in the background right now doing something and he's got I a bib got, on now. I thought you needed your hands we've got, got We've got a so bib like, on point. I'm supposed to hand these off to him. <laughs> I apologize. You guys, hey, I'm not skipping a beat. I'm Sorry. not missing a beat. Carry on. I'm so sorry, everyone. Go ahead, Michael. You're not going to know what I was talking about. I apologize. 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 Apologetics. 
But last week we talked about evidentialism as a method of apologetics, probably the most common method of apologetics out there within evangelical American circles, popularized by people most, such as yeah, such as uh, Don Stewart and uh, John, uh, or I mean uh, Josh McDowell and and others. That we build a case from Christianity. How do you how do you defend the faith? You build a case from it. You look at the evidences. You get data. You you interpret the data. You put it all together. You you make you you make theories. You give the options. And in the end, what, what evidentialists will say is, whenever you do all that, um, uh, uh, we've got at least a confidence because. All the data points to or Christianity. A favorable probability. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Favorable. I like that and word. A probability that it's true. You know, right? one thing occurred to me. Oh, an example. A good example that we didn't mention along those lines for people. Remember how we said it's sort of like in a courtroom, and and it's um. You mentioned Josh McDowell. That's what a lot of us know from when we were younger. But a lot of people out there listening might say, "Well, I we." might recognize this book how about lee Strobel? oh yeah, yeah all of those there's a whole series yeah, right yeah. Of books. they sold a lot of those and i bet a lot of people have one or more of his books that's a good example of what we mean that isn't that is the approach is it not mm -hmm. he's sort of taking the legal yeah approach evidences a case for what was it um Josh McDowell's was called Christ. Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Mm -hmm. There's a legal term. Case for yeah, faith. Yeah. A case for Christ. Now, um, and then also we would we could bring in Gary Habermas into this. We yes. could bring Resurrection. Michael Kona. Yes. Uh, William Lane Craig the many to an extent. Resurrection scholars. Um, yeah. He kind of goes Craig between Evans. both, um, uh, William Lane Craig anyway, between evidentialism yeah, and classical also classical. So he's kind of a, a hybrid well, there. What about some of the areas I think you just mentioned? So we mentioned some last time, but some of the specific areas where, where a lot of evidentialist apologetics happen, a lot of the, the specific things they seek to defend specifically, I think. So you just mentioned one keystone of Christian belief is the, the resurrection. resurrection. Mm -hmm. And so always there have been studies about the historicity you know the factual nature of evidence or i think some people might say proof i i think we'll, we'll maybe we'll discuss that and we're talking mm -hmm. evaluate in a minute whether or not you should use that but obviously these are you know habermas came to credo house once right i mean this is oh yeah this guy is no lightweight whatsoever right for us and yeah. you and 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 so there there is a lot of study even jesus studies in general the life mm -hmm. historicity so on there's archaeology Right to show that the events of the Bible are not just a made-up fictional history of made-up fictional happened, people like on a continent we never found. Da da discovering yeah. David was and really got, a person. We, we, and we have the we have the top ten books or top, Our, ten, top ten discoveries. Discoveries. In Tim, Tim Kimberly wrote that. Yeah. It's great, great work. Just to summarize some of the exciting discoveries. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're little, you know, little. We put little small footprints in archaeology, and sometimes they're really big footprints in archaeology. Um, and, but all it is, building a case, right? Mm -hmm. One step at a time. One piece of the puzzle at a time. Circumstantial building evidence. Building a case. <laughs> yeah. But um, in doing this, in building the case from the ground up, here's the problem. Okay, we're getting to problems, right? So should we do that first? 
No. Uh, well, no. Let, we could maybe. Do you want to maybe just give a real, real quick overview of the different types of evidential arguments he was pointing? Well, did we out. leave any out? Uh, well, what he was, was talking the, about them. The resurrection. Well, I don't know if we we, we, def we definitely said resurrection. Resurrection, right? and then even archaeology. Archaeology. You mentioned last time prophecy. Prophecies. Prophecy. Fulfillment of prophecy. Yeah. So that's definitely textual one. Textual evidence. Textual evidence. Yeah, the manuscript that evidence. That is lots and we lots have. of manuscripts. It does, which doesn't necessarily prove that scripture is true. Yeah. But that's not the claim. That's not the right. purpose. Yeah, you're, you're, we're we're going to keep on getting yeah. to that because yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's yeah. important. Mm -hmm. um, Sorry, not, James Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Not only that, we've also got um, uh, besides besides uh, the uh, the prophecy and besides the textual evidence. What would would this apply? Um, what about the design? Some design arguments, very specific arguments that oh, we yeah. seem to show design oh, yeah. in nature, like inside a cell, DNA. Teleological. is an evidential argument for the existence yeah. of God. Um, um, we, we've also got getting back to the say, anthro the anthro anthropic principle, which yeah, is so part of that. Physics, that's, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, but in, in this big big one left out uh, that we look at is not only just the history that the, what the Bible says, but uh, extra-biblical accounts. Do we have any extra-biblical accounts? Absolutely, biblical Josephus, Tacitus, all these sort of yeah, first-century yeah. documents that aren't called into question, the veracity of those, yeah. like Tacitus. Mm -hmm. um, it's but, an but, inductive yeah. way, mm -hmm. it's built from the ground up, uh, but can I, can I say the problem? Can I start with Now we can do. Have we sufficiently given sure. them? That's what I want to make sure we're represented all those arguments. That he wants, they employ. It sounds like he wants to do the um, criticisms first. Oh, I before understand. Before the positives. Is that what you want to do? That's yeah, fair. Yeah. Well, no, let's do positives. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm getting everybody excited about this criticism. I keep on <laughs> teasing you, people with it. And what do you think the positives are? What are the pros of this of this approach? Oh my gosh, the, the very first pro is just that it's accessible. All of these things are so accessible. I can sit here and talk to you about Isaiah 53. Open the Bible to this. And I can tell you, look, how in the world could this be fulfilled? Um, it, how in the world can prophecy take place, number one, without a God? And what is the implications of this toward Jesus Christ? Mm -hmm. Now, I, I'm not saying that that builds the case that, all by that's itself. That's a great, that's a, that particular passage, though, because it was up until the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls that people were convinced that that, 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 that had been written back after, into it. It had yeah. been written after right. Christ, that that was an addition right. after Christ, but then the Dead Sea Scrolls were found and that predated and the time the of Christ. And finding the scrolls and being able to date them. That well, that's that's quintessential ex, uh, that, that's evidential stuff right there. So that's a great example. It's so. objective. Another positive is that it's it's um it's about objective things. Mm -hmm. So it's less um maybe open to just a sort of confusing uh, subjective kind of interpretation. Some always there can be interpretation of things, but a lot of it is sort of cut and dry. I mean, yeah. It's, and objective it's the in bare bones facts. Another of the positive matter. might be yeah. you said last time that this is um, the way that a lot of biblical writers approach mm -hmm. uh, reasons to believe things. They say, "Or God Himself." Here's even. a sign. Yeah. Here's you saw this miracle happen. Therefore, I mean, you, you know, that's empirical and that's uh, that's evidentialism, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. It is um, something that excited me personally in the faith in a different way because. Whenever I was growing up, I, I, kn I knew that there was a rational approach. You know, I think to myself, 
of course there's a God, you know, I'm, I'm acting as a rationalist, and uh, how could all these things be without a God, the unmoved mover type thing, but whenever uh, I, get into the, I get into this, I see there's scholarship out there in so many areas, so many fields of study and uh, around the Bible, and each one of these has so much data that um, we can look into. And it, it gets really exciting whenever you start seeing the individual archeological mm -hmm. discoveries, when you start seeing how we can uh, see the Bible as a book of history and use that as an apologetic mm -hmm. defending the faith and how, how accurate it does end up being. Um, it, it's just the greatest, the greatest thing I think to me about uh, evidentialist is, is it excites you. It feels like it, it contributes significantly to your belief. It's like there's a lot of uh, food for your mind to be able to bite down on. Yeah. And, you know, what you're saying could be formulated as a distinct positive for evidentialism that's unique, and that is what it does for believers. Yeah. And this could be said about all of apologetics, yeah. really, to yeah. extent, but let's think about this. There is something very positive that all of these different areas of evidential stuff can do for people who are already Christians yeah. in the way of confidence. Yeah. In other words, you know, it doesn't prove things, but at least it lets you know you're not living in fantasy land. So when they find archaeological things that corroborate cities, kings, battles that were fought, coins that are... I don't say, aha, that's proof that every miracle really happened that was... No, but at least I know that when I'm, that when I'm reading through the Old Testament narrative, I'm not reading sheer fiction. And as we said last time, if we compare this with, some, with, with other people and what they have to do, the cognitive dissonance they have to deal with, and I, again, I'll just use, I don't mean to keep beating them up, but I know them better than others, and that is my Mormon friends who I lived with for so long, you wouldn't believe how difficult it is to intellectually to hold on to Mormon belief. And why? Because you, you have races of people and cities built and armies fighting and all these grandiose an epic sweeping tale is the book of mormon and guess what there's nothing there in the ground to corroborate it mm -hmm. so you it's difficult because you're like man i gotta have a lot of faith just to believe that any of these people even existed on this planet you at least don't have to deal with that mm -hmm. you don't have to say oh well i guess there might have been some people called israel and I'm supposed to believe that there was some king. Yeah, because we're dealing with a few millennia, so. a few millennia yeah. within the, you know, in terms of Christianity and its development yeah. in terms of the totality of redemptive history. We're dealing with more than that because, I mean, we're dealing with the very beginning of, of, of time as we know it. I mean, um, and so they're uh, to kind of have to go on that with a whim. Is, it puts is, it more in time and space because it's like it, it does. you can go tour. You can go see Solomon's stables, you yeah, know. Or you, you can can't go, go find the Bodhi uh, tree that Buddha set on. Y'all are getting to the positives. I mean, the the negatives, right? No, oh. no we were about to. Uh, oh, well, well, let, let me sum up, though. He's I just think waiting to get saying. to some negatives. But, but <laughs> no, 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 no. I, no, no. I, I love I love evidentialism. But uh, let me sum up what you're saying because I'm sitting here thinking. Um, again, going back, and maybe I used this last time or in our interim discussions, but it's a puzzle. Right? Let's take, take apologetics as a puzzle, apologetic methods. What evidentialism does is it gives you so many pieces, so many individual, and, and, and a variety of them, big, little bitty, 
that that while they corroborate and are exciting, uh, don't really make that much difference. All kinds of puzzle pieces. And we go back to what we said last time. With all these puzzle pieces, the exciting thing is, from a historian, the exciting thing is that we can take intellectually out into the world um, and, and present to them is this. God has stuck his neck out. Now let's look at this puzzle. I want you to see it. I want you to see that it fits. Uh, we've got a lot, a lot of puzzle pieces, and you're going to be amazed about how many there are. But, okay, I'm going to transition now into, uh, into what can be a negative. We've got a lot of puzzle pieces. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's just a, a whole lot that, of them. That's a, you have to have almost an, an encyclopedic Oh, um, there's yeah. no cliff note Knowledge version of, of all the evidences. No, there's you know? not yeah. just the short strokes. <laughs> and, and it can be overwhelming. Because it's whack-a-mole. Yeah. Because once you come up, like, say you have a pretty good arsenal or you think uh -huh. yourself to be fully equipped, it's whack-a-mole. And then as soon as you yeah. get shoot down two objections, two more come up. And then you're like, well, wait, hold on. What do you mean, pie? Three is three point one, one, and that's not in scripture. Most well, people have this experience, don't they? Especially you know? on the internet. Yeah, I think yeah. a lot of people struggle with exactly what you're saying because they feel like uh, I can't win at this. And and something we also said last time that goes along with this, which can be a negative, is it can be sort of diversionary. I mean, you can get really bogged down in a lot of minutia, and I think for some people that benefits them. So the you opponent tell it benefits somebody, the opponent. That's right. They feel like they've planted their their flag yeah, and, and declared always, victory. It is a, and yeah. it, it, it's almost like a little red flashing light. Whenever you see somebody, I sort of think this way anyway. When I see somebody who, who just dogmatically wants to, wants to major on a minor so much, it, I almost am suspicious. Like, hmm, do you really like this subject? This very my, you know, some obscure, field. esoteric. Is this because you like it so much, or yeah. because you dislike that other subject, and you're trying to not get to it right. or avoid it? And and if you're going to engage with somebody on the level of just evidence, is this kind of discussion, you're in for who knows what. It can go anywhere and everywhere. You can talk for ten hours straight, and and feel like, boy, I don't know and if so, I actually accomplished anything. And and yet. this is where I would go with evidentialism. I think that. The way I view it as a discipline, as an approach, um, I think overall, I, do, I wouldn't discourage evidentialism, but I think it's like pretty much for the believer. It's for the person that already believes. I don't necessarily think it's that effective with people that don't believe. It, I mean, maybe it is to break down barriers and all of that, but like what you're talking about there, somebody who just finds that one little thing and they won't let go of it, that's when I'm ready to just go presuppositional on them and pounce and be like, oh yeah, okay, hold on, let's get the ball back in my court and let me serve it to you. Now justify what you even, you know what I mean? And just kind of break it down presuppositionally. I don't know, I'd be curious to see if we would agree with what you just said, that it's mostly just for believers. What if we push back a little, could I ask this? Could it not accomplish at least these, a couple of modest things? And this, and this actually sort of hints at another potential uh, negative for evidentialism. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be, but it is for a lot of them, which is overstating your case. Like, talking too big of a talk, like, I'm going to show you something and I'll prove it. Right. And, and when, you, when you talk that big, and you, then you almost can never live up to it. But on that note, could we not say that evidentialism and presenting some evidences can accomplish a couple of things, even if modest, but they're still good? One, removing obstacles. Like... 
somebody out there has a stupid wrong idea. Mm -hmm. For example, they might think, um, I'm trying to think what like, there's no archaeological evidence that it, you know, or mm -hmm. Jesus probably never the, existed. Jesus didn't exist. He's not a historical figure. The, that's, okay, that's a big one. Well, you've right got if you've got it, that in your mind, if I, if if after a conversation I can get you doubt that, or you walk away going, oh, I might have been wrong about that. That's something. Mm -hmm. At least I've at least I have uh, I have. Um, you've taken that thought captive to Christ right. in the sense. I've of, disabused of you of a, com right. of a false idea that was definitely standing right. in your way. And another thing it might do is just put a little something, lodge a little gad, a little gadfly, a little, a put, pebble, a little put a little poison a gray, ivy on your shoe. Cocoa cause it a pebble in their a shoe. A pebble in your shoe. Mm -hmm. Some, I, somebody's having. You may go home and go. You know, I didn't know that there was all. I didn't know that um, scientists have seen this. I didn't know that historically this was. I'd never heard that. It just makes you think, mm -hmm. and maybe it opens some of the hard, maybe it cracks the hard shell a little mm -hmm. bit and softens the uh, surface So that, that's definitely a positive. Uh, that, that, that yeah, I, I definitely think so, too. I mean, I've, I've used um, evidentialism in many cases, you know, talking to people, and it feels like, you know, it, it, does, it can contribute, definitely. And, and I think it contributed at the time in the New Testament whenever the, the evidences sure. were being presented that the uh, 500 people had seen Jesus. Yeah. And that's exactly what well, we're I talking about. Well, I mean, that about. Jesus There's rose from the grave. There's 500 pieces of the puzzle. See, Let's talk to each that, one of these five. That right people. there, that's not something that you can merely tackle with presuppositionalism. I yeah. mean, you can't yeah. tackle it even with a rational argument. And it I does mean, seem to be very or, biblical. Or classical that's, arguments. I, that's what I'm saying. It's biblical. And so I think that right there... I think I will say this well again I'm not a, a huge proponent of the evidential approach I think that all like all Christians should be somewhat familiar with the historicity of the resurrection the historical sure. facts that surround it and be able to give that as you know at least uh, you know the evidence there in terms of being able to refute some of the the arguments that he even existed which is just such a silly argument and I hate to say that well, actually, I don't. That actually is worthy of scorn to say that Jesus never even existed. That's mm. just asinine. But the the point is, I think so. In terms of that, um, you should at least be familiar with that. But in terms of all these other things, it is very burdensome. Um, it's cumbersome even to feel like, ugh, you know, you're like just almost there's so much uh, to that you have to wade through. Uh, and I think another kind of um, uh, downside of evidentialism is that, and I don't want to misrepresent them. But, but it is the, the thought that people, these non-believers, these people who are hostile to Christianity, hostile to God, uh, are somehow going, that this is going to convince them and they're, that they're going to arrive at the truth and come to repentance through the evidences. Mm -hmm. um, I, again, I don't know that these evidentialists are really going to say that, but that is kind of what it entails. And Isn't that this is, the criticism we mentioned with, yes, from the reform or presupposition? Yes, yeah. and that's obviously you see what camp mm -hmm. I'm in. You yeah. know? Right. No, that, I'm not that, fully it, in the precept camp. But, but if but, we're talking about uh, possible <coughs> negatives here, that has to be mentioned because it, it famously really, in, the, in this internal discussion, mm -hmm. it's famously and uh, repeatedly something that that presuppositionally minded people say to a lot of evidentialists. They mm -hmm. say, look, we like evidences too. We're glad there are so many positive things in history that, that back us up. However, they don't like some of the philosophical um, things that are implied or presupposed by evidentialists, such as that 
we're all neutral here. Yeah. We, yeah. we, we, you know, we have a, we have, we have an open court case. None of us bring in our biases. Which I'm, goes to his tabla rasa or the noetic right. effects of sin aren't yeah. that effective. That's right. <laughs> they haven't really had that much of an impact. Right. But Which that, we can get, that can also apply to the classical approach as well. Well, in, in the end, when we're talking about, when we're talking about this criticism and how, how people would take it, I would say that most of them just say, because you can't get to full assurance, because you're only building one piece mm -hmm. of the puzzle at a time, because each one of the pieces of the puzzle can be refuted to some degree, mm -hmm. um, even though if the refutation is not is not valid or not convincing, it still can bring up questions like um, maybe the apostles lied, maybe the apostles mm -hmm. died, d didn't die, maybe yeah. you know you got all these maybe maybes, Jesus maybes, didn't maybes. die and just yeah yeah and then in the yeah. end it, it's the puzzle they say well your puzzle's quite impressive and I'm talking like a presuppositionalist to an evidentialist your puzzle's quite impressive but you know you're missing a bunch of pieces and yes it looks like Jesus but people might interpret it yeah. uh, in a different way so we can't get to that full assurance of Romans chapter 1 where it says people are without excuse right it'll, it'll end up sounding like maybe you're selling the truth short by saying Hey, look, look, after our conversation, what I have demonstrated is that it, this is more probable than not, or more mm -hmm. likely than not, and that sounds kind of weak. The probability factor, I'm not, I'm not big on that either, right. because I don't, I don't think that that's part of and a I sound think, epistemology. I think we said last time, like and in I'll, terms give, of I'll a give a little to believe bit of, something. just out of charity, a little, the benefit of the doubt to at least mm -hmm. a lot of evidentialists to say that when they say these things, I don't, I don't think that they think I'm only 60% sure about this. Mm -hmm. I don't think they think that. I think it comes from this motive they have, which is a good motive as far as it goes, to, to make the road or the path as easy as possible intellectually. So in other words, to make it as, uh, to make the road without obstacles. So mm -hmm. they think, what? how can I get you from A to B? I know, if I can just flip you on the probability, maybe you'll come the rest of the way. So. It'll end up sounding, and I've even heard some evidentialists say, "Don't." They'll give advice. Don't ever quote the Bible to non-believers. They don't believe in that. So, in mm -hmm. other words, yeah, but okay, I know they don't. But this seems a little dogmatic. Why I shouldn't quote it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Be and I guess the reason, the reason they say that is they're thinking. I mean, if you just go quoting the Bible, that'll just alienate them and push them away. Mm -hmm. Leave that aside. Just get them to admit that it's there's mm, good some good reasons to think that Jesus might have actually rose from the dead. Well, you may get him to think that, and that would be good if they did think that, as opposed to that he didn't. But, you know, well, you, there's you, no, they're not going to be saying, where is water to, that I'm getting, getting baptized. Getting, uh, I mean, my very favorite is a particular of this. And I, it's so important for us to look at this and see that that all of us, this is, this is we, uh, we talked earlier, we all live in a society of empiricism. I mean, we're always looking for evidences. Is there, is there uh, you know, a data, uh, the data that the light turns red so we break and we, we, we entrust that uh, data uh, empirically. But um, here, here's the deal that we get to when we're talking about the field of biblical studies, the field of archaeological studies, the field of textual criticism, the field of all of these different ways that we go to. You and I are sitting here and we are interpreting this data because somebody else has told us it is true. 
We re, this is called referred knowledge. I have to refer to other people. I have not looked at the manuscripts personally. Um, I've never touched them, felt them. I have not looked at these archaeological digs personally. Some people have, but all of them. All the pieces of the puzzle, I'm getting there from someone else, and that is, that is a problem from the standpoint of people um, within the reform camp. They say, you, you can't be, it's all referred, you can't be assured. And uh, it's also, it is, a, it is a problem that we have to deal with. And in the end, but from, uh, in the end for me, I solved that problem by saying, you can find trustworthy sources. There, this is not a podcast for us to go mm-hmm. through that, but I wrote, a pay, or I wrote a blog about how do you know who to trust? And I think there's very good ways in which we can go about responsibly before the Lord, empirically uh, finding data, being a evidentialist, a responsible evidentialist. And the reason why I say that, Clint, is because there are a lot of people out there that I see, they're getting these evidences and they're, they're, they are um, giving all these things that they're excited about. And I look at them and I say, you know what? That's probably not a very good trustworthy source, even though it is a Christian source. Just because it says, uh, it, just because it supports Christianity, does not mean you should use it. And in the end, whenever I've done all of my empiricism, whenever I've done all my data search, I don't have tons and tons of puzzle pieces anymore. Uh, there, there's a lot of peripheral puzzle pieces that are funny, that are neat, that maybe, maybe not. But we, I have, I do have some very stable, big puzzle pieces that has the entire gospel on it. Uh, in the end, you can see Jesus on the cross. You can see him rising from the dead, and and that's why I like, that's why I like evidentialism. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying Theology Unplugged, let me tell you about some of the other resources we have available. Visit us online at credohouse.org and browse over 2,000 articles on everything from the Crusades to gay marriage. Sign up for email updates and get the latest news, event announcements, and special deals before anyone else. Connect with us on social media. Just search Credo House on Twitter and Facebook. And you can always email us at theologyunplugged at credohouse.org. We want you to be part of the Credo community. Please partner with us in making theology accessible and pushing back the intellectual attack on Christianity. Thank you.